0: Gay. Gay! Gay! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of It's This Movie, You Know, Gay! Um, where we talk about LGBTQIA films and we discuss them and view them through a queer lens and we watch them so you don't have to. I am joined this week by my co-host, Josh. Hi Josh. Hi Fernando. How's it going? you know (laughs) it's still a pandemic it's it's uh it's july so it's really fucking hot out and we i i did you see the thing about the fire island gays yes infuriating it's infuriating um it's really sad because last summer i went to fire it was my first summer ever that i went to fire island and like now i see these gays and i'm like fuck you i if i can go to fire island You shouldn't either. Um, (laughs) But anyways, we have an amazing show prepared for you guys today. Yes, I'm so excited for this one. And Josh, we have a special guest, which I'm going to let you introduce.
1: We do. So for our episode today, we're going to be talking about Rocket Man with a very good friend of mine, Steven.
2: Hello. Hello, everyone.
1: Tell the world a little bit about
2: yourself. Oh, my God. Um... (laughs) Josh and I were in a professional film fraternity together um, and became very close friends through that. So now I am a an extra voice to speak about Rocket Man. Yeah. And the dissenting one.
1: Oh, oh shit. He's getting right into it. Alright. <laughs> well, before we enter the arena on Rocket Man. We have our tops and bottoms
0: of Hollywood this week. I'm going to introduce the first one, and this is a little bit of a controversial one. I love going to Disney parks, but I'm not as much of a fan as Josh is. I love um, the Disney parks. He does love the Disney parks. Gentlemen, if you're single and you're looking for a Disney gay, here's... Not me, but here's the Josh. Um, <laughs> definitely not me. Um, so... Disney announced pretty recently that they're going to overhaul the controversial Splash Mountain Ride, um, which is an attraction based on the 1946 movie Song of the South, and it's going to be refurbished to celebrate the Princess on the Frog. Um, so yeah, they pretty much announced this. Song of the South is a pretty controversial film, Um It centers on Johnny, a young white boy who learns life lessons from a formerly enslaved man um, named Uncle Remus, and it's really well known for the song "Sippity Doodah," which like and like the whole movie like paints like a very like grossy picture of like post Civil War era Georgian plantation. It's it's very poematic. I've I've never seen the film I've seen the scenes that are deemed problematic and oh boy it's not good not good um but then this um this week they announced they will completely reimagine the ride to make it centered in Princess and the Frog which is if you don't know if you've been living on the rock it's one of the best Disney movies out there it centers on Tiana who is a black young girl living in New Orleans and she gets turned into a little frog. And then she has to like go through a race against time with this other prince turned into a frog called Naveen to kind of go back to her human form. It's an amazing movie. The music is amazing and it's never really received the kind of recognition that it deserves. Um, so a lot of Disney fans were campaigning recently For Splash Mountain to be refurbished to Center and Prince and the Frog, and now Disney kind of cave in and they announced a team of uh, mostly black Imagineers that are going to be working on this ride. Um, So, how do you feel about this, Josh?
1: This is so exciting. Okay, so it's interesting because everyone's like, oh, Splash Mountain, I'm going to miss it so much. But the thing is, What people love about Splash Mountain is the characters, because those characters are really only associated with Splash Mountain. What people love about the ride is that big fucking drop at the end where you get fucking soaked, and if that's still going to be there, and, you know, we get some updated animatronics and a brand new story, I think that's going to be just what this ride needs to become really a classic.
2: If people are really getting mad because... They have to go on the same ride, but see a black princess instead. Like, get your priorities straight. So here's
0: the thing. There's there's people who do not support the idea from both sides. Of course you have your races, your right-wing races. who are like, I don't want to do it if it's not going to be about the South to South which who the fuck has watched song of the styles it's not I even have, i
1: have girl i have of a bootleg i have a bootleg video cassette of, that i got when i was of little of course
0: you, of course you have because you're problematic. but there's so no other... because
1: because i went on the ride and i was like what are these characters from and i did some research right. and i That's was like i want to see this movie <laughs>
0: That's absolutely what 100% of the people are going to think about um, once, like, you're on the right. No, but there's also the other wing of, like, the more, like, liberal wing um, who have kind of been, like, why doesn't Princess and the Frog get its own ride? And you're only doing this to kind of, like, pay lip service. Um, uh, which oh, is... It's you. kind of... It's kind of well I... Well, I've fallen because... Disney is no stranger to using old structures to promote their latest initiative. It happened in in Disneyland um, in California, where they refurbished the roller coaster that they have. In, in in remind me, Josh, the name of the the theme park, not the not Disney. In California Adventure. Adventure. Uh, Cali- California Adventure, California yeah. Adventure, they refurbished this roller coaster to um, be themed around The Incredibles too. And the reviews were very, very lackluster, kind of, like, saying, like, you know, it, it was just a very, very lazy attempt.
1: Girl, it's the same theme. ride. It's, like, it was... It's
0: absolutely the same ride,
1: yeah. It's the same ride. And it's, it's the same with, like, the Tower of Terror becoming a Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Or right, the Maelstrom um, and Epcot becoming a Frozen ride.
0: Right. Like, okay, um, y- Universal has done a little bit better... Um, After, like, intense criticism to Dueling Dragons, I remember in the Harry Potter land, they changed it to be uh, Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure, which has received raving reviews, have seen videos from it, and it's absolutely amazing. But I, don't, I personally don't think that Disney is going to go far enough to make it its own. Well, because Splash
1: Mountain is a really fucking expensive ride to create and maintain, it was like it cost millions and millions of dollars when it was created in the eighties. In fact, well, it okay. cost it cost so much that they reused so many of the animatronic figures to save right. money. So, so many of those animatronic f- figures of like those those su- southern characters singing Zippity Doodah, they were from an attraction called America Sings that closed in the seventies. So hey, hey
0: mama. Hey mama, <laughs> put your put your uh, money where your mouth is. You know, like if 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 Disney is very it's it it's actually passionate about um, you know, paying homage to Princess and the Frog, they can absolutely and this is the thing, I you haven't been to, to Disneyland, right?
1: What do you mean? Of course I have.
0: You have? Yeah. Oh, my well, work. Um so Disneyland as opposed to Magic Kingdom has the New Orleans land. Right. Which which is absolutely stunning. It's like it's probably my favorite part from Disneyland. And you know, you could do so much with that land to pay homage to Prince and the Frog. And I don't think that just giving a new coat and probably putting new animatronics around Splash Mountain it's gonna do that. I don't know, Steven, how do you feel?
2: I mean I think it's a good start. I, I understand the um the feeling of, like, why doesn't it get its own ride? I think, I mean, can we start there? And then as we build more parks and build more rides, then we can have the conversation about building it its own ride? For sure. Um, And I think that what many
0: people said is that if it was going to be a ride, it should be Splash Mountain, and I appreciate Disney putting a team of mostly black imagineers in charge of the retrolling of the ride. Yeah, um,
2: that's, that's important.
0: Then again, I feel like it's the responsible thing to say that it's really not my place. It's really not our place to to decide if this is enough or not. Um, but as a fan of the movie, I would, I would love to see the movie being paid the respect that it never was from... You know, from its marketing campaign and from its treatment and the parts you know i would I would just love to see a bigger spotlight on it um uh, josh top bottom verse
1: this is a this is a top for me actually um i I understand what you're saying, but I think this is such a great step in the right direction um and finally, we we won't see that huge homage to Song of the South still in the parks. Finally, it'll be something that we all know and love. We love the music in Princess and the Frog, and it'll be great to see more of that representation in the
0: parks. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a hesitant top. Depending a hesitant on, top! <laughs> depending on God. how much effort they put into the reach pulling up the ride. It's a hesitant top. Steven, how do you feel about it?
2: I would agree with hesitant top. I think it's a start. All
0: right. Yeah, it's a start.
1: Oh, wait, one more thing. Do you guys know why it's called Splash Mountain?
0: Well, they changed the name. It it had another name. Yeah. I just just watched the episode (laughs) on Park History for this. Yeah, Um, it was originally called
1: the Zippity River Run or the zippity Doodah River Run.
0: Yeah, and it was like a part of Eisner wanting to get more teenagers into the park, and he felt like Splash Mountain was going to be a bigger sale.
1: But also because Disney had just released a movie called Splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah.
0: Not Daryl the Hannah, movie superstar.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so, oh my right. god, a ride that has nothing to do with the movie Splash, except a namesake... I-
0: I don't feel like no one is going, as you say, I don't feel like no one's going to Splash Mountain um, because of the characters. They just like to drop.
1: Right. They want to get wet.
0: Um, as we all do. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you can introduce <laughs> the next uh, top and, or bottom of the
2: week.
1: Okay. So um, the next news tidbit of the week has to do with Hamilton, which I know we talked about last week a little bit it has now become clear to me that hamilton um the filmed version that's now on disney plus could be eligible for the academy awards this upcoming year and that's kind of surprising um because usually You know, filmed productions like these go to PBS, Great Performances or whatever, and they get nominated for tons of Emmys. But here you have a situation where because Hamilton was slated for theatrical release next year and was moved up supposedly due to the pandemic, it will be eligible for Oscars. Can a filmed live performance of Hamilton get Oscar love? And it's gotten no. such good good reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has like an 199%. You know, p- people are loving it. <laughs> so before you poo-poo it and say no, it can't
0: happen, let me just say
2: no, it can't happen. Ah,
0: no, <laughs> no, no, it shouldn't happen. I'm not saying that it that it won't. I'm saying that it shouldn't.
1: Well, um, did you know that James Whitmore received a Best Actor nomination in 1975? for a film stage production um, for Give Him Hell, Harry.
0: and Well, he didn't didn't win, Mary,
1: for (laughs) a reason. He didn't win. (laughs) But the thing is, who knows how many movies are going to be coming out between now and when the Oscars happen. You know, Leslie Odom Jr. gives a great performance. He could easily get maybe a Best Supporting Actor nomination for playing Burr.
0: Well, I just think that Jim Carrey has it on the back for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, so, <laughs> That's a hot
2: I, take I, I, I ever d- heard.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I I, I think that Leslie Adam Jr. should just, like, pack his bags. I don't know. Um, Steven, how do you feel about it?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm my... Uh... I feel like with these things, I tend to be a bit of an Oscar purist where I'm like, if it's not designed for a theatrical release, like, it should not be eligible. Um, I've always felt that way, too, with, uh, with movies that are released on streaming services, and then there's always the back and forth about is it for an Emmy or is it for an Oscar. Um, I've also never understood this, like, elitism of, like, oh, well, how can you say it's eligible for an Emmy and not an Oscar? And I'm like, why is an Emmy worse? It's just for TV. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just like, <laughs> it's about a medium, not about like a prestige thing. It's just like, are you a movie for a theater or a movie or TV series for a television? Right. Um, so no, I, I fundamentally do not believe it should be uh, able to be eligible for the Oscars. I also feel like... um I, I don't understand why we wouldn't just delay the Oscars another year so that we have enough content to be able to nominate, as opposed to like being the Tonys. Like, yeah, yeah, like why don't we? Like, are we just going to be like Best Picture is *Tenet* and, and *Hamilton*? Like, <laughs> what?
0: I, I I agree I agree one hundred percent with Steven. I and I'm not an Oscars purist. I, for example, I'm on on the on the I'm the from the idea that like streaming service movies should be eligible for the Oscars, um, the problem that I have with Hamilton is that it's it's obviously not a movie that required the same artistry as a movie like Parasite did, um, and I I think that there is a way to do the marriage between theater and the big screen, kind of like um, the most recent Anna Karenina did it. I'm not saying that should have been Best Picture, but um, there is a way to pay homage to the theater aspect of it and also to the to the movie aspect of it. And very separate from the quality of Hamilton, um, which I'm going to let it to like each and every individual that watched it, decide if it's if it's amazing or not you're judging it as a musical you're not judging it as a movie like i I don't think that your opinion would have changed at all if like a static camera had been pointing at the theater the whole time at, at the at the stage the whole time you know like I I just don't I really just don't think that we we are judging the same thing. Where we are judging a movie like Tenet and Hamilton um
2: I, I do, yeah I don't it's not even like it has nothing to do to me with like merit or like how well it's captured or whatever. I'm just like this is not the same medium as what is being voted on at the Oscars right like it's a recording of a different medium it's confusing to me why it would be eligible for the same award right and
0: and it's not like. Let's say that uh, Lin well, Manuel Miranda. Let's say that Miranda was amazing. Let's say that he was. <laughs>
2: um, oh,
1: girl.
0: Let us okay. say that he was. Let's that he was amazing. He already got his recognition, his award for that piece of work. Um, and I and I think that many people would agree that a stage actor, that a methodology of acting is is, is different from movies and the stage. Yes. Um, Yes. And they shouldn't be they shouldn't be judged from like under the same criteria, in my opinion. Okay, but what about
1: but what about when they appear on the Emmys? I mean, the Emmys have nominated filmed for versions of TV of I'm sorry of it, of musicals that appear on in, PBS. In yes, in but category? they were
0: they, in they were be- shot they were shot as TV shows. Like yeah, it, like, like here here here's no, the thing not necessarily. Yes. Yes, they have.
2: Well, they should be. <laughs>
0: um, like, here's the thing. Viola Davis won her Oscar for Fences and won her Tony for Fences. And sister, both. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: But she, that was for an adaptation as opposed to... No, no, no.
0: But uh, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, like, if Lin, Manuel Miranda wanted an Oscar for Hamilton, he should do a Hamilton movie.
2: Yeah. Like, um, that's completely different. Yeah. Like, when it's, yeah. Yeah. Viola Davis should not have won an Oscar for a filmed version of the stage play. Like, for sure, I
0: 100% agree.
1: Although she is Viola Davis, and well, I'm yeah. sure she yeah. would have given the best performance,
0: <laughs> regardless.
2: <laughs> the Academy Award for Best Human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, Josh, how do you feel about a top-bottom reverse?
1: it's a verse um it's a verse because i mean we'll see if i mean it's a, hamilton is a great musical but is this filmed stage it's this film per, you know it's a <laughs> is this film you know <laughs> is this filmed stage performance a good movie does it have the cinematic merit that we hold um Other movies too when it comes time for the Oscars. And I just don't know, but I also just don't know what other movies we're gonna see this year. So it's a verse.
0: Scoob.
2: Scoob!
0: (laughs) Scoob. Uh, Steven, how do you feel about it?
2: It's a bottom for me. I flatly disagree. Um, It has nothing to do with merit to me. It's just like it is for an Emmy that's its art form, the end.
0: For me, it's, it's definitely a bottom. Oof. And again, not because I'm, a, I'm an Oscars purist. I just I, I just think that Quentin Tarantino could direct a movie like Kill Bill. Could he, could he helm a, a stage adaptation of Kill Bill? I don't think so. Um, it takes a whole other level of expertise to do such thing, and they should be judged separately. He could um, do it though, like the whole he w- w- yeah, if, if there's it a it. lot of feet in it
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone, Josh here. Literally one day after we recorded this, news came out that the academy has said that Hamilton is not eligible for the twenty twenty one Oscars. However, a Vanity Fair source stated that Disney still plans to submit Hamilton to guilds and to the Academy for awards consideration. So, let's see what happens, I guess?
0: But yeah, those, those were our tops and bottoms of the week, and now I'm gonna let Josh introduce the movie that we are reviewing today.
1: Oh, well, I think it's gonna be a long, long time till we review another movie like this. Because,
0: uh- <laughs> 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 Josh, if you haven't been able to tell, Josh is not a comedian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, so our movie this week is Rocket Man, and it is a biographical musical film based on the life of Elton John, who is one of the best-selling music artists of all time and one of the most well-known LGBTQ singer-songwriters in history.
0: Um, oh, so it's not about Troye Sivan.
1: And you say that I'm not funny. <laughs> it starts from Elton's childhood, girl um, growing up in 1950s England, to developing an interest in rock music and performing in local pubs, to then meet meeting his collaborator Bernie Taupin, and it also f- follows his um, his sexual awakening through the 70s and his descent as he struggles with addiction, pills, addiction to cocaine, addiction to alcohol, addiction to sex, addiction to virtually everything, and how he was able to, spoiler alert, come back from all of that.
2: If you haven't heard, Elton John's still alive.
1: Yes, he is very much still alive. Um, He's been sober for for the past 30 years.
0: He just had a hit song with Lady Gaga, "Sign from Above. Yes. Um, How do you like it?
1: Sign from above?
0: Yeah.
2: I'll let Steven go first. So good. I also am a Chromatica. Dan, Josh is not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I really like that song. I think it's the best. I think it's one of the best songs on the album, personally. And I'm so glad to hear them do another song together. It's been almost 10 years since their last collaboration, which was a song that they did for um, *NOMIO* and Juliet called Hello, Hello. Um, great song. No wonder I didn't know they collabed before. Well, anyway, so um, so Rocketman, what did we think? Uh, this came out in 2019, and it stars yeah. Taron Egerton, um, who is most well-known... For um for the Kingsman series, um as Elton John, <laughs> and sing, as Elton John, and it was directed by Dexter Fletcher. He directed um Taron Egerton in Eddie the Eagle, and he replaced Brian Singer as the director of the Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: The Freddie Mercury biopic because they have barely any Queen in it. That's true. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I. We got to be upfront about it. I know that Josh is a really big Elton John stan.
1: I love Elton John so much and I love this movie and I love Taryn Egerton and I am just such a huge stan that it's going to be hard for me to say anything really bad about this movie. So with that being said, go ahead Fernando.
0: Um, how many well, how many times <laughs> how many times have you seen him live? Just once. Oh. I've also I've also seen him live. I got to see him for the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road tour back in twenty eighteen. See, have you seen, Alton John?
2: I have not seen him live. It's really cute.
0: So here's the thing: this movie came out the year after Bohemian Rhapsody did, and I'm sure we're gonna talk shit. I'm sorry, review Bohemian Rhapsody at some point, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh. uh this is, like, a massive, massive, massive improvement over it. And I, I'm i going to say it here. Rami Malek got an Oscar that is, in my opinion, very much undeserved. We all can wear fake teeth and say hello, darling, and win an Oscar, apparently. Um, and Taron Egerton sank his heart out, and he did the best. And I think that he should have won that year. It's an amazing performance. Um I like the way they approach this musical a lot better in the sense of, like, it's very much, it plays very much like a Broadway musical in which they try to make the songs fit the story that they're telling instead of Bohemian Rhapsody, which, you know, it was just like, let's get on the stage and sing the song that you pay to see. Um, So I I love this film. I'm sure I'm going to have something to nitpick about, um, which we're going to get into later. Um, but, Stephen, what do you think?
2: I think it's fine. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I, I The first time I saw it, it was over. I was like, that was fine. And then I went into it with an open mind the second time. And I was like... That was fine. Um, no, I, my issues are much more with the second half than the first half. I think the first half is great. Um, I think it is of varying quality and different levels. I think Taron Edgerton is amazing. Uh, I think he sh- definitely should have been nominated for an Oscar and should have gotten more attention than he did. Um, but overall, I think that it's a... okay. Uh, well, I also thought Bohemian Rhapsody was... <laughs> <laughs> um, well okay.
0: Yeah. Well let's well start, let's start with the positives. So And, and no, and that's us not so much the positives, but I so this is not a you know yeah. movie. Um, um yes it is. It, it, it is yes it we're is doing it is it's very much because we're doing it for the podcast. But so far the other movies that we have done are very much about queer culture, and this movie I feel like is the least queer-centric film out of all the ones that we have done, in my opinion. Um, Perhaps. I wanna, Perhaps I want Perhaps I I want That's why I want to start with the queer aspect of it, and how do you think they handle it? And how do you? And do you? Are you satisfied with the way they present it?
1: Well, listen, darling, if you want to make an Elton John biopic, it can't just be ordinary. It has to encompass all of the glitz, glamour, theatricality, and super queerness that makes Elton John great. Um, And, but at the same time, as soon as the film starts, we see that this movie is very sobering and sad. The first line of the movie is, my name is Elton John and I'm an addict. Um, and even though he's dressed in this really big orange headdress and outfit um it's a movie about peeling back the layers of flamboyance in Elton John's life to dig through all of the trauma through his life and I feel like that's something that so many gay people can relate to is this idea of of putting on a show but also you using that to hide the pain that's underneath
0: yeah i my thing that i really do applaud is that this this is queer movies mostly like center around the tragedy that is being gay and every yeah. gay relationship that we are presented in media it's it's very tragic in the sense that like oh like look at these poor queer people that cannot be together because the world is homophobic we do see homophobia in this movie, but I I appreciate that um, I appreciate that the gay relationship that we see here is almost kind of perform. It's kind of presented as a like normal relationship in the sense that like it shows the very harsh reality that queer relationships can also be very much abusive. Right. Um,
1: right. And plus uh, his.
0: His traumas, not all of Elton
1: John's traumas necessarily have to do with his homosexuality. It's,
0: it's mostly about right. being, being loved. The relationship between Elton John and John Reed, I, I appreciate the fact that it's very much like, your relationship is shitty, but not because they are gay, it's just because they are shitty. Right. Um, and I, it was refreshing to see a biopic, like a period piece movie presenting this and almost a kind of, like, very realistic and non-tragic... I mean, it's tragic, but not in the tragic way that, like, this relationship is doomed from the start because they're gay. This relationship is doomed because they're not good for each other. Right. Um,
1: And actually, Elton and John Reed stayed friends up until recently. Up until, I think, about 10, 15 years ago when Elton discovered that John Reed had been... um, embezzling funds
2: yeah. well based on the movie that doesn't seem like too far of a stretch <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no John Reed remained his manager for a while um, even after they broke up and it's this John tra- I
0: just want to say for those who have watched Bohemian Rhapsody uh, this John Reed is a lot hotter than the John Reed in Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> uh, so Correct. if you need another exactly. reason to watch, to watch Rocket Man. this is it um how do you how do you feel about the way that they handle it you?
2: in terms of the gay relationship, I was thinking about uh Bohemian Rhapsody and the way that it handles the relationship in that movie, and the thing was is i was I was nervous coming into Rocket Man especially the second because I didn't totally remember it um and I had remembered in Bohemian Rhapsody that it was like the gay relationship was the super unstable one, and it's the one that like carries him apart and then his straight relationship is like this very stabilizing like loving force mm. um which like obviously we're talking about real people and their biographies so you know you can't just like make up that there was a healthy gay relationship for Freddie Mercury right. um but when I, I mean, was watching I mean even Rhapsody
0: has no problem with making everything else up ah!
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned cuz I when they were starting this relationship and I could tell that it was not going to go well and that it was making Elton John's life a wreck. I actually think they do a nice job of subverting the like heteronormative relationship because they have it where he's in the studio and he sees this woman and they start singing to each other. And I literally was sitting there in the theater and I was like, if this were not a movie about a real person, I'd be like, Oh, it's about how he's straight the whole time. Um, But, but then they do a nice job of like within five minutes, he's just as miserable so he's like, okay, at least if we're going to portray the gay relationship as miserable, it's like all relationships are miserable. Yeah, yeah. So. And
1: and Elton John had a lot of miserable relationships with women and some of which weren't even shown in the movie or they were shown but as kind of an afterthought. So if anything, well, I feel like this movie is erasing
0: some of the straight parts of his history. That's a, that was the very weird part about the movie is that his, I've of course, I've known that... I know that Elton John is gay. But, like, it's always been... Like, those, like, marriage years have always been very enigmatic for me. And the movie's just, like, yeah, he got married. And then he got divorced. <laughs> and, it, like, it's, right. like, John, like, in, like, in less than ten minutes. <laughs> it's just... <Yeah. laughs> it was just, like, really... It was just, like, a really weird thing. Um, the one thing that I, like, I... I, like, I found so weird. So this movie... Elton John made the movie about... Because he's the one who, like, kind of helped helm the movie. Um, so the way that the movie is told, we owe it to Elton John's vision of the movie. Um, and he wanted the movie to be told about you know, how much addiction costs you. Um, and my criticism... It's just... The weird thing about this movie is that we never get to see Elton John thrive because of the way that it ends. Um, yeah. It ends before, like, anything, like, really good happens in his life, which is just, like, you know, if, you, if you're if you gonna make a movie about overcoming addiction, it's just, like, really weird the point that it ends, because the movie ends with um, him doing the video for I'm Still Standing, and he just recently released his autobiography, where he ta- where he talks about how, well, he was, you know, I'm Still Standing, it's, like, uses the a metaphor, it's, like, how he's, like, thriving at once he goes to recovery and shit. Um, and in his autobiography, he talks about getting plastered while he is recording this music video, um, and with Duran Duran, and he, like, goes to trash his hotel room, yeah. and yeah. He, yeah, you know, like, yeah. and, and then he goes to his manager, and he's like, oh, what happened? And, and the manager goes, like, oh, you happened. So, like, he, like, it would take years, like, I think, like, four or five years after the, the I'm Still Standing video. For him to get
1: the thing is sober. yeah yeah the thing um, is it jumps back in time because by the end of the movie when when he's so, when he's sobering up that's around like 1990 or so right but then so, it but, jumps like, backward because the the movie needs a musical finale
0: right and it's just like and I'm and I'm usually okay with musicals trying for songs to fit the narrative you know they do it in the Cher show they do it in Tina the musical. Um... And of course, like, it happens all the time with jukebox musicals like Mamma Mia. Um, but, you know, I, I get that they were trying to, like, get a upbeat, feel-good song for the ending. And then it just, like, it just, like, feels so weird, like, knowing what I know now. That, like, this really wasn't him sobering up. And, like, I'm Still Standing is not what the movie wants us to believe it is about. Right. Um, that, like, leaves, like, a sour taste in my mouth. Like, if we wanted to see Elton John thriving, we could have talked about Lion King or, uh, (laughs) you know. Disney
1: would not allow
0: that. (laughs) Right. Or, like, like we could have, like, seen him how, if we wanted to, like, end with a somber tone, I think that really Candle in the Wind becoming such a success in honor of Diana would have been beautiful. Well, listen, Um,
1: I disagree with you. I think that this movie was made as a fantasy biopic in some ways. Yes, it's about Elton John, but it's, um, I mean, having these characters sing to each other like that, that never happened.
2: Well, considering how fast the catharsis comes, it had better be a fantasy.
1: Yeah, and it's meant (laughs) to be a fantasy in, in many ways. There are so many fantastical elements in the movie that I think parts of it are meant to be taken as metaphors.
0: And I just think that's I just think that's lazy because, and I'm sorry, everyone, that we keep bringing up Bohemian Rhapsody. But I just, you know, if we trash Bohemian Rhapsody for being like, you know what, you just make that up for the narrative sense. If this movie does it too. but um, this movie
2: is clearly and, and, and I, a musical and I, fantasy. I just, but I don't feel like it markets itself as that. I don't know. Like, there's Why? never a moment. Because I don't, I don't ever think that there's a point where the movie feels self-aware about what is true and is not. So, if you're saying, like, oh, it's a fantasy, then I feel like the movie has to play out a lot differently than it does.
0: It's, like, it's weird because, like, Joss says, well, it's a metaphor. And it reminds me of, like, this this like moment of the simpsons but there's like they make this thing about like nerds at a convention like talking about this tv show and they keep asking these questions like how is this possible how is this possible and then the person like the panelist says well when you see something that doesn't make sense a wizard did it um and it's kind <laughs> of okay, like um, and then like this is like kind of like how this movie ends It's like when like something doesn't really fit the narrative it's a metaphor you know it's it's Um, well
1: yes (laughs) yes okay so this story has a framing device and it starts with him going in (laughs) it starts with him seeking help and going to group therapy some sort of alcoholics anonymous checking into rehab and so in some ways the whole story is told as these musical fantasy flashbacks And in some cases, Elton is talking to himself through time. Older Elton is talking to younger Elton or older Elton is talking to his mother, but she's not really there.
2: Okay, I want to launch into my main criticism of it, which I think is connected to what we're talking about. Why? How does he get better at the end? There's no connective tissue between the events of the movie and the fact that he's in therapy and is like, I just need to love myself. And I think that's oh. where this notion of the problematic, I mean, not problematic in like a, a political culture sense, whatever, but problematic <laughs> like narratively, um, is that like we talk about it like, oh, it's a fantasy. And like, of course, stylistically or aesthetically, it's a fantasy. But if you're selling a narrative about a real person who overcomes addiction, like I, I couldn't understand in the context of the movie what makes him come to the realizations that he comes to. And so when it gets to the end, and he's like, you know, I've realized that I was living for all these other people and not for myself, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a very easy and lazy thing to do to be like, oh, because this whole thing is like a fantasy biopic, we buy that this catharsis happens in the first place. But I was like, no, I don't buy it. That's fair. Um, And I think that's my main beef with the movie is that I just, I mean, he ODs and then he goes to another show and then his nose is bleeding because he's taking more cocaine and then he just goes to therapy and then he goes to therapy and he sits in therapy and then he's like, you know what? These are all my problems. And I'm like, but that's not, like, that's not how that can happen. And so the fantasy part of it to me, this notion of like, he can just be sitting in a circle talking to all of his family members, and his family members are like, I never loved you. And he's like, you know what, Mom? Whatever. Like, that only works as a fantasy. It doesn't work as right. a as a biopic to me. That is,
0: I I will say I agree there, just because as much as we would love for therapy to work that way and to be as effective as it is, it really isn't. Um, no. And, and going from point A to point B in A recovery process in every recovery process, like this be depression or this be an addiction, like it really is kind of you say, Steven, doesn't really go from oh, I'm gonna go to therapy, and then you know, the, the, the person magically like, gets this cathartic moment. Um, but then again, it's a, and it's, I, it's, it's a movie, and it's you say, like, it's, it's a it, we have to believe it, we have to see it as a fantasy in order for it to work. If it's not correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, I was going to say, like, I think that's part of the reason that it uses the framing device, which I hate, to be honest. I think it's lazy, but... Really? Um, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think it's very cheap huh? cheap psychotherapy. Um, huh? But I think the, the goal is with the framing device is to be like, oh, he's reflecting upon the events of the film, and then, um, like, those reflections bring him to this conclusion, but his reflections are never like we don't witness him coming to points of realization. It's more just like he thinks about something and it's like, that made me mad. And then he thinks about something else. He's like, that made me sad. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, you know what? I got it. And I don't feel like, like the framing device, even though the whole point of it is to lead us to believe that he would come to those conclusions. It just doesn't
1: work to me. Okay. I agree to an extent, but here's where, why I think it does work. Taryn's acting. I think there are very subtle things about the way that Taryn plays Elton that keeps me on the journey and and makes me understand what's going on so that I don't need much of a reason as to why you just jump from point A to point B. And I think Taryn makes that work, even if the
0: narrative doesn't. Okay. My thing is, regardless of everything... And this, wow, a, a full circle moment. This goes back to the Hamilton thing that we were talking about a little earlier. It should be treated as the medium that we're watching. And and I think that this would have worked perfectly as a musical on the stage, where the cathartic moment would have worked a lot better, in my opinion. Um, yes, yes, I do yeah. think that, Yes, this could work as a
1: musical, but it worked for me as a movie, too. It works for me as a, as a movie,
0: no, 100%. I'm just saying, like, you know, I think that on a stage, it would have bothered me a lot less him reaching to that point of catharsis. Mm. Because to you, as an audience member, you understand that everything happening on stage is a fantasy. Right. You know, and, like, it, it's, it's, and that's kind of, like, why. Uh, you know, like a movie like little Sh- a show like Little Shop of Horrors had to change its ending to appeal to the movie going audience, and I think that this this would have could have changed the way they frame the movie as a whole in order to not only work as a musical but also as a movie um, i I one hundred percent see that and it, and this also like commits the same fault that a lot of jukebox musicals commit that a lot of the songs are just there so people can listen to the songs.
2: Well! <laughs> like,
0: tell me why, like, to see in the beginning of the movie, as a kid, he does the bitches back. Doesn't make yeah. any sense. Because um, it, it has when, the
1: lyric, I was justified when I was five.
0: <laughs> right, it's just, I, like, it, like, and he's not even five. You know, it's just, like, or, like, when he does Saturday Night's and I for Fighting... Like, you know, like, those, like, two, two things. It's just, like, really. It's a jukebox
1: musical, you know, and, but, 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 like, but, but what they do achieve is that they're really great sequences and really great production numbers that draw us into how Elton sees the world.
0: Dot, 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 kind of like a Broadway musical.
1: yes. But also kind of like a movie musical. It's kind of like a newfangled, old-fashioned movie musical in some ways.
0: It's an amazing homage to an artist, um, and I think that it's beautiful that the artist got to see his life perform on yeah. stage on on the film. And I like appreciate that this is the story that he wanted to tell, as honest as he was. Because I think if any if Yes, the movie feels a little rushed, but this movie is very honest. Yes, um, yes. From my perspective.
2: I think for me, I just wish it had ended one framing device earlier. Like, if it had ended with him realizing, I need to seek help, I would have been like, got it, buy it. Mm. But because it takes it the extra step further of going from, I need to seek help to, I am now better and can be a thriving and wonderful human being that's the leap that i don't get. and so i kind of wish it just had brought us to the point of like realizing that sometimes you do need other people's help and that you do need to pick, take drastic steps even if people don't support you. um i think that would have been a much better narrative conclusion to reach.
1: Yes, but how is that theatrical? How is that glitzy and glamorous?
2: I, you know I can't answer all the questions. So. <laughs> and,
0: and, no, and and also and also like the three of us are people who like watch a lot of movies and see the trends of of of, of, of movie going people. It's that you know that just like for mainstream audiences, that wouldn't have been a satisfying ending. Yes, oh, totally. correct,
1: correct. But I'm pretentious. Uh, um yeah i mean i I mean this this is a mainstream hollywood movie it is it was distributed by paramount pictures so this got an r rating but it's because there is a gay male sex scene and it's the first studio film to have a gay male sex scene since bruno
0: i Uh, saw that yeah but like it's like why is that like like it's such a weird thing to highlight You know, like *Brokeback Mountain* did it how many years ago? But that's not, but that's not a
1: mainstream big studio movie. How is it not? Because it was released by Focus Features.
0: And how? And Focus Features is owned by who? By Universal. But yeah, and Universal (laughs) is what is is it an indie distribution company? I don't, you know.
1: No, but but this had the Paramount backing,
0: Henny. this, This is where you know that this is like PR people working behind it they're just like trying so hard to make it like you know to get the headline of being like this is going to be the first movie doing this if you don't Well do it's the
1: second. Well it's the second really.
0: It just it just you know it's just like mm-mm. the one thing that I will applaud the sex scene is good. Oh, take it's me, fantastic. Take me to the pilot, playing in the background. Turn to Akerton doing the thing. It's like talent. This this is what I want to see. Uh, <laughs> that's how gay people have sex. Take me to the pilot, playing in the background. But yeah, we can move on to our segments. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> yes, where we talk about things in casting that could have been done differently. So... Taron Egerton is a beautiful creation of God, and that's how the segment Mm -hmm. ends. Uh, Moving on. No, (laughs) Taron Egerton is a straight guy. He had two separate auditions for this role, number one being that he worked with Elton John in Kingsman, the Golden Circle, um, and apparently they had really good chemistry in the set, and the second kind of audition that he had was that he sang Still Standing when he played our gorilla in the animation movie Sing. It was amazing. Um, So we know that Taron Egerton could sing. So apparently Elton John wanted him to take on the role. And even though every week I go off on a tangent how,
1: why aren't gay actors getting roles? I firmly believe that Taron Egerton was the best choice for this role, and he knocked it out of the park. I can't imagine anyone else doing any better than he did. Whereas in other, mo- other movies, I get angry because I see straight actors doing a passable job, but I think that someone else could do better. Is everyone okay? Yeah, what's that ambulance?
0: Listen, everyone, I live, I live in New York City, okay? I, you're going to hear an ambulance. Um,
1: okay, okay.
0: everyone. Yeah. Well, as I was
1: saying, Taryn Egerton did the best job that anyone could do at playing Elton John.
0: Stephen, how do you feel about it? Yeah,
2: I think there's way more nuance than people give it credit for in terms of the like who's allowed to play who. Um, I also think at the end of the day, Elton is the one who should be able to decide um, who for he sure. wants to play him and who he feels is appropriate to play him. So even if, like, sure, we want to see more gay actors playing more gay roles, which, like, we should, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to complain that an incredible actor was chosen by the man himself to play Elton John. Right. Um, and he's, I mean, he's amazing. Like, we, I don't think anybody can dispute that. Right. I think he's absolutely
0: amazing in the role. Richard Madden, who's also a straight guy. Well, he, he's left it in the air, I think, in part for, you know, publicity. But he's also known as a, as, as a straight guy. He hasn't confirmed it. Um, but, you know, this is one of those things that I'm like, the person that we are talking about was personally involved with the project. And if it's not up to us three nobodies to like tell Elton John to be like, hey, Elton, go pick another gay. um just if he if he thought it was appropriate go for it um i know josh wouldn't have been able to play elton john i know i wouldn't have been able to John. i don't know you steven but i don't think i'm gonna say it i don't think that you would have been able to play elton john so
1: Taryn is able to channel elton's pain and rage but also his warmth and his fantastical inklings oh, in a way that really, I think, makes the, this movie as good as it is.
0: He's also amazing to look at.
1: Oh, Henny, say. yes.
0: Yes. Um, yes. He looked great in the costumes. So we're going to move <laughs> on to Dumb or Snub. Um, Josh, I'm going to let you take it from here.
1: So, this movie received Golden Globe nominations, it won the Golden Globe for Best Actor for Taron Egerton, um, and it received some BAFTA-not nominations as well, and from various critics groups around the country, but when it came time for the Academy Awards, it only received one nomination for Best Original Song for Elton John's I'm Gonna Love Me Again, which plays over the credits, and it won that award, but Frankly, the fact that it wasn't up for anything else, it makes me feel that the across-the-board snub for Rocket Man is probably one of the biggest across-the-board snubs of the past decade,
2: aside from Selma. Uh, That seems like a stretch. But I agree that Taryn Edgerton should have been up. Here's the
0: thing. I am a big Joker hater. Channing um, Eckerton could do Joker, Joaquin Phoenix and not do Rocket Man. at that. <laughs> oh my um, god! And and then you got Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. You know, like, uh, congrats to the 15 people that watched the movie. But like, <laughs> I, just, I just, I like, it's honestly like baffling. And then of course it would have never won against Parasite, and it shouldn't have. But then you got movies like Joker. Or, like, uh, The Irishman being nominated for Best Picture. And it's like, you know, that could have easily, easily been Rocket Man. Um, it did win um, Best Original Song. I, I but here's the weird
1: thing here's the weird thing. Just a year before, Bohemian Rhapsody won four Oscars more than any other movie that year. Right. Um, it went for best actor, best film editing, best sound mixing, best sound editing. And the thing is, and you're telling me that nothing in Rocketman is as good as it was in
0: Bohemian Rhapsody? The voters thought that it was an award for most editing and not best editing. Um... Right,
1: but like you're you're telling me a cinematic piece of work like Rocket Man, suddenly you can't give it any awards attention because you're comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody?
2: I mean, that's how it works. I mean, it is how how it works, but... And I think they realized they made a mistake. That's my take. I
1: mean, it, it, it could be. I mean, this movie also came out very early in the year. It came out in May. Um, that is also true. And it was distributed by Paramount Pictures, who we have shat on constantly for ruining really good movies with Oscar chances.
0: And maybe if you sponsor us, we won't talk shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's Here's the thing, and this is why I'm like I'm like that, that meme of the crying cat. Karen Egerton did so much campaigning for this movie. He really fucking tried. He did so many concerts and appearances with Elton John and did a private events for Academy voters, um, it, which is really fucking rude that he didn't get nominated. I just, like, I, like, I think it's... And then you have someone like Joaquin Phoenix Phoenix who is like openly shot on the Oscars as an institution, and then you give them the top prize. Well which,
2: well know, the bad boy energy.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Taryn Egerton is like
0: a nice guy. It's like it's like But then again, what's category for best actor, not most acting? To me, I just really I really hate Joker as a film. It was definitely a snub. I Not mean, the yeah. Biggest, I, I would. I wouldn't say it's the biggest. It's kind of. Oh really?
1: What well, um, What was the biggest snub of a movie in this decade? I, I think any J Lo
2: for Hustlers should count as a movie.
1: <laughs> but I'm talking about like across the board in categories like costume, makeup, hair, production design, acting, sound. You You know, Rocketman Man was snubbed in all of those categories. Hustlers was snubbed in one category. Oh, Pants Labyrinth.
0: That's a big Girl, snub.
1: That that was 14 years ago, and that was nominated for like a ton of awards. That got like it, six nominations. And it won none. Okay, well that's not a snub per se. I'm saying in the last decade, the across the board snub of Rocket Man. The Dark Knight. Girl again okay. decade. That got eight nominations.
0: <laughs> and one the old technical and it should have
1: been more everything. yes agree again my point is that
0: it was wait <laughs> you're just like not happy that we were shitting on it but uh, i mean it's an amazing movie but the biggest snub it's just
2: it's girl. yes it's the
1: biggest across the board snub of the past decade
2: no no
1: no yes no. okay maybe cloud atlas
2: Oh, my
0: God. Listen, we know we know that you love movies about cisgender white men, but uh, I just, you know, there's, like, so many other movies that deserve a spot that did it. Okay, okay, but I'm saying
1: Rocketman had all the buzz for categories like Best Actor, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup, Best Editing, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and it only got one nomination.
0: That's how the Oscars are, like... We can't have too much gay on our ceremony.
2: What was the other gay movie?
0: No, not this year, but the last year it was Bohemian Rhapsody. So yeah, they were like, her, we her can't, can't really do that. Yeah. Um, so now you know that if you want to release the gay movie this year, this is the year to do it. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Josh, any last thoughts?
1: I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. The music in this movie is just so good. And I don't know if we mentioned that this but he does all the singing himself and he sounds frickin' amazing. So God bless you, Elton John, and God bless you, Terry Egerton.
0: Um Steven.
2: <laughs> the main thing that I got from it that I wrote down was the the quote about you gotta you gotta kill the person you were born to be so that you can become the person you wanna be. That made me, I was like, hmm, I have to do much consideration as to how accurate that is. But it left me with many thoughts. That's my favorite part um, of it. It's movie. a little dramatic, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it's a metaphor, John.
0: <laughs> my, okay, so this year, this is where Terrence Egerton dropped the ball. Terrence Egerton, and this really petty on me, but Terrence Egerton was invited to the Met Gala the year that it was camp, and go across this episode right the fuck now, go Google Taron Egerton, Matt Gala, and look what the fuck he wore, it's honestly that costume award, in my opinion.
1: You're, okay, here, I will tell you why he showed up in, like, a plain black suit. Because the Oscars love the uh, this idea of transforming for the role. And so he had to show himself as someone who is not Elton John-like, in order for Oscar voters to say, wow, he really transformed himself to be Elton.
0: He that is look why. Any different. But he doesn't look any different. But he like
1: does. The thing is, he does. If he went over the top and campy, Oscar voters would say, oh, he's just playing himself, which isn't a problem if you're Laura Dern or Brad Pitt. But if you're Taron Egerton...
0: Right, if you're a cisgender white man (laughs) conventionally hot, no, no. The (laughs) Academy won't give you any attention. Um, Yeah, I just want to say, please watch this film. It's honestly amazing if you haven't watched it. It is the more successful and better-looking sister out of the gay biopics that came in the recent years. Even if you don't think it's a masterpiece, um, I think that it's a very feel-good kind of movie. Um, and Even again, when it's very sad. Okay, well, keep interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then I just I just think that... Um, I, I think this movie is really touching because it was really personal for Sir John, and he wanted to make it about a really problematic period of his life, and he did that. Um, and he was really honest, and he, he said that this film was very cathartic for him um so uh congrats elton john he's now been sober for i think like 30 uh, 30 years 30 30 years yeah 2020 yeah because he became sober in 1990 and he's gone to do amazing things about it and i've lost you elton john so if you're listening to this podcast we love you
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe he is maybe he is who knows Steven, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It has been an honor and a privilege to hear your opinion on this movie.
2: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: And we have one last question for you. Okay. Is this movie, you know?
2: Gay. I think it is absolutely gay. It is, yeah.
0: hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. There's a lot of... You know, for the ten minutes that Elton John is straight on screen.
1: Ah! Um, <laughs> but, okay, but like, but like, besides that, Elton John's <laughs> sexuality is so integral to his identity, and so I believe, yeah, Rocket Man is fucking gay as fuck.
0: As always, please follow us on Instagram at is this movie you know that Pot where we announce every time um, an episode is coming out, which is really when Josh feels like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we also post a lot of uh, content on queer movies, so please follow us. And we also have a email that you can email us your thoughts and give us feedback. It's this movie you know at gmail.com and you can rate us on iTunes iPodcast, Apple podcast, Apple podcast Whatever they call it. And we're on every other platform that you listen to your podcast. Please support us. We are very much bored in quarantine and we love doing this. We do. We do. Thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.